I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi, and I am your host. And I am recording this from a very small room. Um, the tile is not quite done in my house, so I have to, uh, I can't record in uh, with my normal equipment. And honestly, at this point, I don't even know where it is. I know it's in a box, but I don't know where exactly. And the piles and piles of boxes that we had to move out of the room so they could be tiled. Um, I don't really have anything uh, went under the things that I like uh, section for the show. Uh, we're towards the end of the tile being put in. I have to put in the baseboard this week. Um, so lots of work. I took six days off to get this all this stuff done, and it has not been a fun six days. But I did get a lot of stuff done on my house, so that's a positive. Uh, last week I said I, was, uh, I talked about Elon Musk doing an interview with Kara Swisher. And... Um, what I was going to do is I was going to take that interview and take pieces like when Elon talks about other car competitors and just talk about those competitors. And I thought that would be a nice little mashup and a good way to to handle the, the news um, or the interview. I thought it would be fun. Unfortunately, that takes a really long time and I didn't have time. We're still going to have a, a nice full show. I just did not have time to actually sit down and do that. I literally got off work on Sunday and I completely went through, did not take my laptop out of my bag until Thursday when I started preparing for this show. So, uh, yes, so that's where we're at. But it is a new month, so I want to thank our Patreon supporters, Dale, Cameron, Nate, Don, James, and Mark. Thank you very much for supporting the show. I really appreciate it. If you want to support the show, go over to uh, kilowatt.com, or excuse me, patreon.com forward slash kilowatt. And... Uh, you can support the show there. I won't labor on that too long. Some follow-up. Uh, I want to thank um, all the people who sent nice emails this week. I really appreciate that. Uh, I mentioned in the earnings call podcast that I didn't know what APAC or um, EMEA, I didn't know what those acronyms were. And Mark, who's a Patreon supporter, he helped me out. He said that APAC is Asia Pacific, which also includes Asia and Australia. So um, APAC just covers Asia and Australia. Uh, I would assume New Zealand too, but I don't know. And then EMEA is Europe, Middle East, and Africa. So just uh, just shows you guys know. Thank you, Mark, for that update. So we're gonna do. We are gonna do the show a little different because when I was outlining the show 
that I was originally going to do, um, there was kind of a nice flow of information. And I was like, well, let's do it this way and we'll give it a try. Um, I've grouped all of the, um, not topics, but I grouped all of the, um, I guess cap topics like VW is all in one group. Um, there's no kilobit section, no kilowatt news section. It's just the VW's in a group, Tesla's in a group, Faraday Futures in a group. So we'll kind of see how that goes. I was just kind of playing with it a little bit. So let's start, shall we? Let's talk about VW. Um, this week, oh, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go over any of the um, who wrote the articles. Everything will be in the show notes. So if you want to know more, go to the show notes, and it'll all be there. So let's get to start with VW. VW will release a subcompact EV, which is a little bigger than a smart car. That'll be estimated price somewhere around $21,000 US, and that's going to come out sometime in 2020. Uh, it's cheaper than a Nissan Leaf. Uh, VW says they'll sell about 200,000 of these EVs in a year. This is definitely not a Model 3 killer, and anything, anything, uh, if it says something killer, then it's probably not a killer. So if someone says it's a Model 3 killer or a Tesla killer, that's probably not going to be the case. Um, so that's a stupid thing to say, I think. Uh, but it is a compelling offering, and if the EV tax credit still exists when this car comes around, um, it'll make this car very compelling because in the United States, we've talked about this in the past, but some uh, lawmakers are trying to extend that tax credit, and some lawmakers are trying to just get rid of it altogether and impose some sort of fee. So uh, moving on with VW, they're teaming up with a few VWs, teaming up with a few different companies to kind of round out its EV self-driving car offering. Uh, they're looking to reduce, basically, is where it really comes down to, is they're looking to reduce research costs by partnering partnering with rival car manufacturers. Um, according to VW CEO Herbert Dice, currently Audi is, they provide a lot of the research for the VW group and they're, the VW group's looking to about cut that in about half. So that'll be interesting. And I'm sure a lot of people at Audi aren't really thrilled about that and, and the research division. Uh, but one of those partnerships may be with Ford with the goal for, the, for VW to build an EV pickup truck. Ford will provide the platform and VW will build, build the pickup truck, something about the size of a Ford Ranger, if you remember what the Ford Ranger size is. <clears throat> And here's a little note, uh, Baidu, their search engine, uh, they're currently working on a program called Apollo, their search engine in China, excuse me. They're currently working on a program called Apollo. Uh, and Apollo is a autonomous driving platform for car manufacturers. Both Volvo and Ford have announced partnerships with Baidu. VW has not, but it's kind of a little note there that that might be something that VW does dip into since they're partnering with all these companies. Um, along that same lines, where VW is building a truck, Ford has announced that it won't really be, it's not going to be building any more ICE um, sedans. So VW may buy a piece of Ford and a piece of their autonomous car program and provide um, the MEB platform, which is the VW electric platform, to Ford for their EV efforts. 
uh, which is really good. There's a lot of uh, teaming up in this and a lot of um, this is good for consumers, basically. It's what I'm trying to say in a very poor way. Um, and I would consider buying a small EV truck. I would like it to be a little bit bigger than a Ford Ranger. But if it's the right price, that would definitely be something that I would consider. Because there's a lot of times that I have to go rent a Home Depot truck or borrow a truck because I don't have one. So, And I would like one. So that would be a really nice option. Uh, another thing that I wonder is Tesla's opened up their patents for other manufacturers to use. Um, those manufacturers just need to share some of their patents back with Tesla. And it's inter interesting that VW is not taking advantage of that offer. Um, they're choosing to work with other car manufacturers that have, I don't want to say little experience in EVs, just not as much as Tesla. Um, so I'm sure that there's a very good business reason for that, but um, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me if those patents are sitting there and they would fill a hole that you need. Um, VW is also teaming up with Intel's Mobileye and Champion Motors for a self-driving ride-hailing service, kind of like what the Tesla wants to do with their network. So Mobileye uh, originally partnered with Tesla prior to Tesla building their own hardware. And if you remember back east in the United States, a gentleman was, he hit a semi that was crossing a, a highway and uh, he, he died, unfortunately. And the Mobileye, um, I think it was CEO or somebody that represented Mobileye said something about that it had more to do with Tesla than Mobileye. Anyway, long story short, Tesla just started developing its own um, hardware, which is kind of what we're dealing with now with hardware two not really working out but hardware three uh, sounds like it's going to be a little bit better or a lot better significantly better um so development um, and deployment of this uh, service will take place in israel two companies plan to start the uh, building this the two companies and really it's three so the three companies start plan to start building the service in 2019 and then roll it out into phases Champion Motors will operate the control center and manage the fleets. So VW is providing the vehicles. Mobileye is, is providing the self-driving um, car technology. And Champion Motors is basically operating the fleet. So it's a really good, uh, sounds like a really good partnership. And it sounds like consumers are really going to win based on what VW and these other car companies and uh, software companies are doing. Next up, let's talk about Faraday Future real quick. Um, Faraday Future is back to not having a future. Uh, they had secured a $2 billion investment, and apparently that, op that opportunity went sour. Uh, the co-founder, Nick Sampson, resigned. Employees have been laid off or had their color salaries cut in half. Someone recently started a GoFundMe uh, for Faraday Future manufacturing em employees, and this is to help companies that were or employees who are laid off or have been furloughed through the company's financial crisis until they can figure things out. Uh, they're currently around $21,000, the GoFundMe is, but they're trying to raise $50,000. I don't know how many employees Faraday Future has, but that doesn't seem like a lot. But if it's enough to get people through, um, I think that's, that's good. Um, and Faraday Future says it has nothing to do with GoFundMe. And this is interesting because Faraday Future had a really... Uh, they were a really bright light, you know. They were they were uh, after Tesla, of course, 
but they're before Lucid Air, Neo, um, Byton, some of these other companies that are now enjoying some of the EV limelight. Um, but then they just kind of fizzled. So, and in a way, because I think they're, I honestly think they're biting off way more than they could chew with their their service. But in a way, it makes me sad because I want more companies around, more competition uh, provides greater prices for consumers, better prices for consumers, and um, more competition, we get better products for those prices. So I'd really like them to stick around, but and it's looking less and less likely. But then again, I thought they were dead at the beginning of this year, and they're not. They're still chugging along. Next up, let's talk about Chevy. So I uh, mentioned this last week, Patreon supporter, James, um, he sent me a article to a link to, uh, to a, a souped-up Chevy EV Camaro. And this is a COPO order, which is Central Office Production Order, which is basically special order. Uh, normal people aren't going to buy this car. There's only 69 of these vehicles uh, that are going to be built, and they are drag race certified. So this is a super fast, uh, rich person Camaro. That's basically what this is. Hancock and Lane, uh, they built the prototype that the, the vehicle is uh, is based on. So, no, we're not, uh, I'm not, you're just not going to go down to the local Chevy dealership and buy this car. But it is a cool car, and it might give us a peek as, as to what's coming in the future, because Mary Barra, who is GM's CEO, she has been pretty bullish on EVs and electric vehicles in general. And in fact, she uh, talks about this in a kind of like a, she calls for a, a national EV mandate. So here is what uh, she says. Um, so there's public comment period on the governments, the U.S. governments, rollback of Obama area f- era fuel economy standards. They're about to end. So the government is taking public comment. Mary Barra, she published her thoughts in GM's, um, her thoughts and GM's position in an op-ed piece in in the USA Today. Now, I don't understand why she would pick USA Today, because that's not a not exactly exactly like the most prestigious newspaper in the United States. Like if you come to the United States, that's the one you you get outside of your hotel room in most cases, and people promptly pick it up. They might flip through a couple of things and then they throw it away. Um, but here's what Bear argues that the U.S. can do if we lead the transformation from ICE cars to EVs and self-driving vehicles. Um, what we could, what's going to have to happen is public and private sectors are going to have to work together. Of course, they're calling, uh, she's calling for a national zero emissions vehicle program to help the U.S. move forward to a zero emissions future. Uh, GM estimates that seven million long range vehicles will be on the road by twenty thirty. Now, this is unclear if she means seven million GM vehicles or seven million EV vehicles in general, because that seems like you know thirty thirties in twelve years, um, a little less, I guess, a little more than eleven years, um, and that seems like a very low number. That's seven million, so I have to guess that she means GM vehicles. 
but uh, who knows? Who knows? Um, it seems like a really small number, but they, by doing this, by doing this mandate for zero emissions uh, by 2030, or getting there by 2030, they're going to reduce 375 million tons of CO2 emissions from 2021 to 2030. That's a good start, but that's really not enough. And honestly, not to be cynical, because uh, I don't. On the surface, this seems like a very altruistic um, message, but GM, General Motors, has General Motors' interests in mind, um, and I don't want to. I don't want to question anybody's motives, but ultimately, uh, GM has their stockholders' interest and the company's interest in mind, and not so much mine. So I don't know where they're going with this, and why USA Today. She could have published this in any newspaper. Um, USA Today is not, a, uh, as far as I know, is not a a super prestigious company or a paper. So I, I honestly don't know. Maybe I'm completely upside down on this. Okay, well, so let's move on. Next, we have Tesla. And this one gets a little long. So we're at 16 minutes-ish right now. So hopefully we can get this done in the next seven, eight minutes. So let's let's move through. Um, Elon and Tesla, they've authorized employees to, to provide assistance to the victims of the California wildfires. If you don't know, there are wildfires going on, major wildfires going on in both Northern California and Southern California. So it's really, it's California, it's kind of a big deal. And it's, it's not super normal to have wildfires in November. So um, it's really bad. It's wiped a town off the map. I think it's killed a total of 12 people It's it, between the two of them. It's really terrible. So Elon tweeted, uh, if there's any way that, any way for Tesla to be helpful, please provide assistance and don't worry about payment. Um, I'm sure he is talking about um, in this this instance, if you know, don't expect to pay. If we can offer our help, don't don't expect that you're going to have to pay us for it, which uh, makes sense. And then um, they've really stepped up. They're offering free superchargers, so, so people uh, supercharging, so people can get out of those areas uh, safely. Um, but just in general, for natural disasters, Tesla has always been really good. They've opened up software locked batteries to provide extra range to get people out of harm's way. They've sent uh, power walls to Puerto Rico. And as far as I know, they didn't charge anything for those. They just sent them to help to get their grid up and going. Um, and most recently in this in this incident, he offer, offered the Model S and Model X uh, because they have really good HEPA filters to drive through the smoky areas so that people, uh, to help people get out of those areas without, um, without being exposed to the smoke, which I think this is excellent. Um, and along the same lines of this, um, kind of along the same lines, PG&E, which is a huge electrical utility in Northern California, um, they turned off electricity to some residences uh, because there was the risk of the wildfire. Um, and they didn't, I, I mean, I'm sure they had the reasons for turning it off, but uh, the, the electricity was off for 42 hours. And at least one of those homes in the affected area had a Tesla power wall. And at the end of the 42-hour period, there was still 9% charge remaining on that power wall. So one of the inter interesting things that I didn't know you can do, or I didn't know that the power wall can do, is if it detects that a severe warning's coming, 
um, there's a feature called Stormwatch, and it will pre-charge the battery. So in the instance, if the power goes out, you have a full charge, fully charged battery or battery that is uh, more charged than it would normally be. So that's a really cool feature in the power walls, which I think is amazing. And speaking for myself, um, I now live in an area where uh, this, uh, the, the dust storms, the haboobs in Arizona will blow right up um, the freeway um, right over my house and um, we have some insane storms where I live now uh, which is both awesome and also the potential is there that the electricity will go out so um, this is just one more selling point uh, not to me but to my wife on uh, how we can you know manage the, the, the those major storms um, but, um, that didn't, the pre-charging didn't happen in this case because of course it's a wildfire and those are really hard to predict since they kind of happen. But the owner of the power wall normally keeps it for backup because, uh, and it's charged all the times, all the time because there's power outages in his area or her area all the time. So it turns out uh, a really good use case for the Tesla power wall. Um, and I guess uh, the Comcast and some of the other utilities were up for another eight hours. Um, so they got at least another eight hours of internet and um, and they were able to use their, their phones and things like that before those, those services went away. So that's pretty important. Uh, let's see. A former Tesla employee embezzled $10 million from Tesla. Tesla. So Salil... Paroluker, I had this down last night. I'm sorry. So we'll call him Salil. A former uh, global supply management group manager for Tesla and soon to be resident of a federal penitentiary was charged with nine counts of wire fraud and one count of identity theft. And it seems that whenever you hear of a, a huge company that where the fraud takes place there's usually it's somewhere in the supply chain like apple a couple years ago had somebody in the supply chain that uh, was stealing millions of dollars and it's not like they're stealing a hundred thousand dollars like they're stealing millions of dollars and 10 million is pretty significant and it's just that so much money comes in and goes out in those places keeping track of a million or two here or there or five hundred thousand or two hundred thousand i mean those are rounding errors to these companies so it's easy to kind of skim a little bit. Um, yeah, but eventually it seems like these these folks get caught. So I wouldn't recommend it. Next up, Tesla is simplifying their Model S and Model X offerings in addition to increasing the base price of both vehicles. So Fred Lambert of Electric breaks this down he got uh, electric got an electric excuse me got an internal communication, and from Tesla, um, they got their hands on one. And basically, the Model S and Model X, seventy five D is going to increase by a thousand dollars the base model, fifteen hundred euros if you live in Europe. The so the Model S will now be seventy eight thousand dollars, and the Model X will be eighty four thousand dollars. Now for the high end Model S and Model X. 
that's going to decrease in the United States by $500, and there'll be no change in Europe. So that'll bring the Model S down to a $96,000 start price and the Model X down to a $99,000 start price. Now, here's what I think is interesting, is if you look at the Model S and X base price, there's a $6,000 difference between the Model S and the Model X, and that's just the base price. But there's only a $3,000 difference between the Model S and the Model X. So um, I'm sure there's lots of reason for that, but it was interesting that the the difference basically is in half the more expensive um, your, your, your package. The more money you spend, the less it is to get a Model X, I guess. Uh, here are the interior options. There's going to be an the all-black premium interior is going to be standard. It's going to be an extra $1,500 for the cream, black, and white uh, interiors. The black um, textile interior is off the menu. Um, and it's black and white interiors, not just black and white, like together, the combination of black and white. Um, just in case there's any confusion, the 75D will get the all black material, um, with configured with a dark headliner. I don't know that that's important. We'll skip past that stuff. Model S, uh, there's going to be no more rear facing child seats on the Model S. The 21 inch arachnid wheels are going to be aftermarket only. The panoramic sunroof, panoramic sunroof is gone. It's only going to be a glass roof. Um, if you live in a market where you only have single phase, then you'll get the 72 amp charger, onboard charger. But if you live in a market where uh, you get the 48, uh, if you live everywhere else and you have dual phase markets, you're going to live, you're going to get a 48 amp onboard charger. Um, the P100D gets a fiber carbon fiber spoiler standard. I wouldn't want that. The Model X changes um, the six seat with the center console. That's gone. Like the Model S, you um, if you live in a single phase market, you get the 72 amp or the 48 amp charger if you live in a dual phase. I was chatting with uh, James, uh, a Patreon supporter on Slack, about this, and my thought was they're simpli simplifying the configurations to minimize the build times and maximize profits. And James brought up a really good point that I didn't think about this, but it's to add, maybe, it's to add the price separation with the Model S and the Model X, or excuse me, the Model S and the Model 3. So even though it's $1,000, there is a little price separation there. That's a really good point that I did not consider, and it's very likely that it might be both, which he was uh, quick to uh, concede, very gentleman-like to concede, but uh, I like his idea better, his thought better. So Tesla has a new board of directors chair, and her name is Robin Denholm. So if you if you haven't been following this for some reason, as part of the SEC settlement, Elon was forced to step down, um, and they had to appoint an independent uh, chair. And Miss Denholm has taken that um, position. She grew up in Mill Perry, Australia, which is a suburb of Sydney. I know we have lots of um, Australian listeners, listeners, and I probably pronounced her hometown incorrectly. Her parents owned a uh, service station, and she used to tinker with cars when she was younger. Um, she still might, but that was part of the story. Um, 
She was the national finance manager at Toyota in Australia. She's worked for Sun Microsystems and Juniper Networks. Uh, she's currently the CFO at Telstra, which is a Australian uh, telecom. And but she's going to be leaving to concentrate on Tesla uh, full time as the chair. Uh, Pierre Fiergo, Ferrago. Sorry about that. I am not good with last names or first names for that matter. Uh, he said this. He, she has a proven record for dealing with very high ego individuals. Um, Robin is the exact opposite. She can remain very calm, very stable. She's less visible. She's a less visible personality, but she's very good at driving things without having to be in the lead, which I think is very key. Um, actually, as uh, as a leader, like you want to have leaders in your your company, but you also want to have somebody that is pushing those leaders from behind the scenes. Not everybody can be out in front. You have to have people within who are still leaders, but are less visible and and really pushing those people to do um, to basically lead without putting too fine of a point on it. Um, he adds that she has a quiet confidence, uh, very on top of what's happening in the business. And one of the things that they had in the article was a link to a YouTube video where Dimholm talks about conflict, um, how con- conflict can be great. I'm a big proponent of this. I think that there is a time and a place to have um, conflict in a constructive way, not in a destructive way, but in a constructive way. Like, for instance, with my kids, if I had to ask my kids to do something, or if they, if we're having a discussion and they don't agree, I encourage them to to speak their mind. Now, it doesn't always, it rarely means that they, they get their way, but at least they feel like they got a chance to say something. Um, and early on, my wife and I have been pretty much on the same page um, in terms of letting them be able to speak their mind. Um, And this is just anecdotal. But I think my son started to develop a little bit of a stutter because we would cut him off um, if we were in a hurry to do something and he really needed to say something. So this, it's really important. It's important for a six-year-old. It's important for an adult. That's really what my point is, is to have those conversations. But she does go into, in the video, and she does say, you know, there's a time and a place and there's a time and a place to just shut up and, and get things done. And I think that both of those are true. In an interview with the Australian, uh, she said, I don't jump out of airplanes or bungee, bungee jump or anything or any of that stuff. But I do take professional risks. The best decisions you can, you make the best decisions when you can, you make the best decisions you can with all the information you have. And you have to move quickly. You're not pushing hard enough if you never make mistakes, which I am 100% on board with. Um, And she's been on the board, Tesla's board, for four years. So it sounds like it's going to be a really nice fit um, for her being the chair and Elon, um, her and Elon working together because she's not going to be bullied or, or, um, I don't even want to say bullied because that's not... She's not going to be pressured. It sounds like she's a very uh, confident person, and, and that's not going to like Elon coming up with, you know, whatever Elon comes up with. Um, she, 
doesn't sound like she's going to have a problem saying no, but it also doesn't sound like she's going to have a problem um, channeling his energy into a positive direction. So we'll see. I look forward to, and we'll probably never know what her real effect is on the company, but I kind of look forward to um, uh, a Tesla under her as the, the chair of the board. Okay, so this last story, and this was a little bit long, but um, Reveal, uh, which is a, a, a magazine or publication, we talked to a few months ago, I think, maybe at the beginning of the year, how they accused Tesla of um, of having terrible uh, working conditions and uh, putting people back to work who were injured um, on the factory floor, the workers. Now they're talking about, uh, they're still accusing Tesla of things. They're saying that Tesla's misreporting, excuse me, misreporting injuries and operating in an unsafe manner. This information was allegedly uh, provided to them by former Tesla employees. Um, There's one person that goes on the record. Uh, Maybe there was two, but I only, I can only really remember one. Um, As we heard uh, during the earnings call, uh, the last real podcast that we had, Cal OSHA investigated the claim for four months and found no issue in reporting injuries. And they actually found one, um, they did find one major or minor trip hazard. It was an extension cord uh, that they had in their report, but that was about it. So having said that, Will, Will Evans, the the author of this article, he claims that Tesla employees are being denied proper medical care by denying proper medical care and work restrictions, Tesla uh, can make real injuries disappear. So basically, if it's not something that uh, that has to meet a certain threshold to be counted as an injury for uh, the California, oh, I can't remember what it's called. It comes up later in the article, but according to their, the regulating agency, um, the report claims that Employees cannot call 911 without a doctor's permission, which I find this kind of hard to believe. It may be that it's frowned upon because the doctor wants to evaluate prior to the uh, 911 being called. But I can't imagine that any company would say, no, you can't call 911. There might be individuals within that company, but I highly doubt that that's a policy because that is a huge lawsuit waiting to happen. I mean, enormous. Um. And honestly, of all the EMS calls I run in a 48-hour shift, very few of them are considered a real emergency. Um, Most people just want to be reassured and checked out because they don't feel right or they're not really sure because our healthcare system in the United States is is confusing and um, medicine in general and how our body works, that is also confusing. So, um, and if you don't, if you're not around uh, the medical side of things, um, you can kind of see where some things might be a big deal. Like we'll be on scene working on a patient and somebody on scene is freaking out because this person's fainted, but really, you know, why did they faint? Well, we're trying to figure that out, but really, you know, sometimes they're faking it because they're in an argument or sometimes it's, there's a real issue there and we, we do need to address that. But uh, we'll have people who are really calm and then you go to the next house and there are people who are just absolutely freaking out and don't think you're doing enough. But the patient's sitting there walking, talking, 
um, saying that there's nothing wrong. They just passed out or whatever. So, um, not to throughout all of this, I'm not trying to discredit the article and I'm not trying to give it, uh, credence either. I'm trying to stay, um, uh, as, as, um, independent as I can. And, uh, geez, my brain is gone. I'm trying to stay, you know, as fair as possible, basically. So having said that, you know, there's, there are, um, there are realities that just because you think something is bad doesn't mean it's bad. I'll give you an example. Not long ago, we had a patient that had a high heart rate and I mean high, um, but it wasn't, it didn't meet a threshold for them to give a, a specific medication and I won't go into all that stuff, but I was like, why aren't they giving this medication? Now I've been a firefighter since in some form or another, since I was 18, I've been in an EMT since I was 19. So, um, and I'm 44 now. So, you know, figure that math out. I have 25 years, something like that. And, um, you know, I, I was starting to feel, I was like, man, why aren't these guys given this medication? They need to give this medication. And the patient just continued on down this path and they kept talking to her and, you know, they're setting up IVs and they're doing this and they're doing that. And later I asked them and they're like, well, yeah, she had a fast heart rate, but she didn't meet any of these other criteria for us to give the medication. And that's why we didn't give it. And her heart rate needs to be up in this area before we could really even give it anyway. So as somebody who's been uh, on the job for uh, a good long time, and I, I'm on the downside of my career, and I've been a fire, an EMT for 25 years, um, that is, you know, still I'm learning new things. And still I feel uncomfortable when people who actually have the knowledge and have been trained they're acting like it's no big deal because to them it's not. So that's kind of where I want to want to go with this is to somebody who's untrained, like I was in this situation, or not trained to their level. Um, I was starting to get a little uncomfortable. However, um, they knew and they 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 had called the the hospital to talk to the doctor to kind of explain what's going on. But they kind of already knew and had a plan in place before they did that. And to them, it wasn't as big of a deal as, as I thought it was. So that's, that's really what we should be working with here is if you're not in medicine, um, it may not be that big of a deal, uh, as, as big of a deal as you think it is. And sometimes it's okay to ask um, the firefighters or the, and keep an open mind or the, the physician why they're doing something, not when they're in the middle of working a code or something like that. But afterwards, it's okay to say, hey, could you explain why you did these things? And they're usually very happy to explain those things to you as a general rule. But let's get into some examples. So one worker uh, severed the top of a finger and was sent to the hospital on a lift. This is not uncommon. Uh, when my kids started kindergarten, I was like, I'm going to pick up some extra money and I'll drive for a lift. And I used to pick up people with industrial injuries and take them to urgent care all the time. This is not a practice that is that is unique to Tesla. Um, a severed finger is not life-threatening. Um, it does not require an ambulance. It's a severed finger. It hurts like heck. But in the end, most cases, you know, it's not bleeding all over the place. The, the, a clinic is, an on-site clinic is usually more than capable of wrapping that finger up and putting him in the car and taking him to the, to the ER. 
Um, so that saves an ambulance ride. And why, why is that important? Because there are generally only so many ambulances. And if those ambulances are tied up on 911 with calls that aren't necessarily emergencies, that leaves less ambulances or longer response times for calls that are real emergencies. So that is actually very important. And I would never encourage somebody not to call 911 if they thought it was imperative because or important because they should. You should absolutely, if you think that something is happening in emergency wise and call 911. If it turns out to be nothing, it's not a big deal. However, if you have an on-site clinic and the doctor's like, well, we don't really need an, an ER for the, or an ambulance for this, then a lift is probably okay. If you still don't feel comfortable, you as a person can still call 911. There's nothing that says that you can't. I'm pretty sure it's against the law for a company to say that you can't call 911. And it's probably against the law for them to you to get punished for that. I don't know. Check your local laws. But um, the the companies in the area that I work uh, for uh, these calls, they are always, and it doesn't matter if the employee is really having an emergency or pretending to have an emergency or whatever, it doesn't really matter. These The companies are all for the employee going and getting checked out to make sure. I don't think I've ever been on a call where the company has denied somebody care. Uh, because that's a huge lawsuit waiting to happen. It's cheaper just to pay for the ER bill. So going that way, moving on. Uh, Stefan Nelson, uh, who he used to be a semi-professional football player, says in the article, uh, he went to work for Tesla. He was working on the Tesla Model X, X, excuse me, X, Model X, when the hatchback came down and came and hit him across the back. He had a bruise across his back. Uh, he had very intense pain. According to Nelson, he couldn't walk or stand up straight. Um, not for nothing, but when people say they can't walk, they usually can. Um, but anyway, um, but it's probably a more accurate statement would be, I'm in immense pain when I walk or stand up. And uh, that's okay uh, to, to say that. Um, he asked the on-call doctor to call an ambulance because... Um, he was in so much pain, he didn't feel like he could sit in a lift. So um, he was, he wasn't allowed, the doctor said no. Um, And I don't know, I wasn't there. I don't know if he needed an ambulance or not. Honest to God, if if you have a back issue, most ambulances are the gurney is is um, bolted, not bolted, the, the gurney mounts are bolted to the floor of the ambulance. And most roads in the United States are not fantastic. So you're going to feel every single bump in the back of the ambulance. And it's almost kinder to take you in a personal vehicle if you have huge back problems. Because I know there are probably people who, who are listening who have been in an ambulance with back problems. Those The ambulances are absolutely not forgiving. However, having said that, nobody should be denied an ambulance. Everybody, if they require or request an ambulance, then an ambulance should be... Uh, called and if they're denied, then they can call. Um, and I'm not second guessing what Stefan did here, because when somebody in authority tells you something, you don't want to get in trouble. So um, I'm, you know, 100% um, on board with with you know what the patient wants, and not so much um, with what the the other doctors are interested in, because really that's the person that matters. But according to Nelson, his girlfriend called an ambulance, taken to the hospital. 
his supervisor told him uh, if he didn't show up for work the next day, he would be in trouble. I don't know if any of that's true, but if it is, it's absolutely deplorable. Um, one reason uh, that they the article gives for the no nine one one policy is that all refer, first responder respond excuse me all first responders responding to workplace injuries must notify the California Division of Occupational Safety and Health. That was that organization I was trying to think of before. And I was like, man, we don't have to do that in Arizona as far as I know. That sounds like nonsense. So I looked it up, and um, here's what it says. Whenever a state, county, or local fire or police agency is called to an accident involving an, an employee covered by this part by this part in which a serious injury or illness or death occurs, the nearest office of the Division of Occupational Safety and Health shall be notified by telephone immediately by the responding agency so that is 100 percent true um i don't think i mean i know that our crews don't do that here in in the in arizona but um i thought that was interesting so another article or another reason they gave is that 911 calls are public uh record so the uh press would be able to look that up and, and see how many 911 calls are going in and out of Tesla. Um, I don't know that they're going to have the context, honestly, to to see if that number is a high number or a low number, because there are a huge number of employees that work at the Fremont factory. But it is true uh, that those 911 calls are public record, but the medical records are protected by HIPAA, so they don't have any access to those. Um, the other calls included chest pain, oops, chest pain, difficulty breathing, headaches. Um, they're not f fully evaluated or the people were, t the issues weren't resolved and the people were told that they needed to go back to work. Um, according to this article, uh, Tesla's failed to care for its workers who are seriously injured. Uh, some of these workers are even sent back on the line, uh, back to the line, even though they, they can hardly walk. So former clinic employees claims, clinic, uh, claim that the clinic's practices are unethical and unsafe. Anna Watson is a physician's assistant, a PA with 20 years experience. She worked at the clinic. Um, the goal was to keep the goal, and she says the goal of the clinic was to keep as many patients off the books as possible. Watson's claims she was fired because she raised concerns about clinic practices. Uh, the way they were this is what she says the way they were implementing it was very out of control every company that i've worked for uh i've worked at is motivated to keep things not record i don't know understand what she means by this every company that i've worked for worked at is motivated to keep things not recordable i but i've never seen anybody do it at the expense of treating patients oh okay so the goal is to, of these clinics is to have as few work-related injuries as possible by getting access to the health care or the care that they need sooner i guess is what she's saying there um she was told to allegedly watson was told to stop prescribing exercises to injured workers to avoid counting those as injuries According to Watson, injured employees uh, could not be given work restrictions no matter what kind of injury. 
The article goes on to complain that the, the night shift was especially prob- problematic because there were no doctors or nurses, nurses around, which I thought I remember Tesla in their earnings call saying that the clinic was 24-7. Um, I'm pretty sure that that's the case, but well, I'm going to have to go back and listen. Um, but this is a really long article, and I don't want to go too far into the weeds. Uh, but Re- uh, Reveal said Tesla pressured Access Omnicare, which is the company running the clinics, to misreport and down-categorize injuries to reduce injury claims. The owner of Access Omnicare is a Dr. Uh, Basil Besh, and he is currently the chairman of the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons Board of Counselors. Um, he said that the the clinics. He said that the clinic drives down Tesla's injury count by accurately diagnosing injuries, which is one hundred percent what it should do. Um, again, like as a EMT or a paramedic, those those folks are not allowed to diagnose. We have a good idea but we're technically not allowed to diagnose doctors diagnose that's why they get paid all this money so um if if an employee thinks that they have um an appendix uh um, excuse me a ruptured appendix and they have a stomach ache there's two different treatment paths for that and there's two different um like in one case the patient's going to the hospital in another case the patient in the other case the patient can go home if they really just have a stomach ache and not an appendix problem so um what he said what besh said and honestly i don't know if it's a he or she i think it's a he um the term right-sized care so it's appropriate care for the appropriate situation and i think that that makes a great deal of sense and i can't imagine that somebody as high profile as the chairman of the academy american academy of orthopedic surgeons board of counselors is going to risk uh, his reputation and his company by misreporting but people come in all sorts of sizes and shapes and and moral have all sorts of different moral compasses but that seems really way far out for a physician to do but there are people out there who would do that um besh said that uh patients are given work restrictions when it's appropriate he also added injured workers don't always understand what's best for them now that's a very condescending way to say that the medical system in the United States is very confusing and medicine is hard. That's why doctors went to, you know, most doctors go to school for eight years and another three years of training after that. And specialists go to school even longer. So that, um, I'm, I'm not really a big fan. Of I don't want to parse everything this guy says, but that's, <laughs> this is, seems like a very condescending answer, but in a way it's true. Um, when I go to my doctor and uh, we sit down and we have her talk about our treatment plans for whatever it is that we're doing, um, you know, I have to ask a lot of questions because I don't understand a lot. And she's very good at dumbing it down for me, but there's still things that I don't understand. Um, so, yeah. But basically, there, you know, there are reasons that certain. There's, there's a thing called evidence-based medicine, and most doctors practice evidence-based medicine. If the evidence isn't there, then it's it's not, um, it's not a, 
a reasonable treatment. So uh, because evidence-based medicine is based in scientific evidence, um, I don't know how to read a scientific paper. I'm sure there's a lot of smart folks out there who do, but I don't. I can read it, but I'm not going to be able to add context and know really what's going on without a whole bunch of um, of, uh, of of my questions that need to be answered, whether I research it myself or ask somebody. So I can't imagine that's any different for the general public out there that has nothing to do with uh, medicine. Um, in the past, this is just kind of a side note that's interesting, is I've actually talked to doctors uh, and they say that they can track what, and this was a while ago when Dr. Oz was popular, what topics Dr. Oz covered on their show because the number in, of patients would increase with that specific complaint. So, um, you know, we're, we're living in that kind of a, a world and those people are dumb or stupid or whatever. It's just that we live in a world where there's a whole bunch of information out there um, and a whole bunch of scary sounding uh, words, but they're not, nobody's giving you any context as to what it all means, I guess, is, or very few people are giving you context as to what it all means. Uh, TV shows are there to sell advertising. But basically, what this all comes down to is this is a very, like, this is an issue that, that Tesla needs to resolve, whether it's the, the issue is real, and they're really doing these things to misreport numbers or to skew the numbers of injured employees, or whether um, the what they're doing um, is being misrepresented by the press or the media, and they need to get they need to show that no the, the, these things aren't true. Um, in either case, it's really like there's two. Uh, I don't want to say two. There's there's two things that seem to be that Tesla seems to be harping on. One is their stance on on um, anti unions. And they've been investigated for that. And their other is an employee safety. Now, we heard Elon get choked up on when he was talking about how they need to take care of their employees. So I, I and it's, it's really hard because I don't have any insider information. I don't know where all this stands. I just know that it's very complicated. And I know that it's probably something that we should uh, talk about. Because uh, with all the great things that Tesla does... Um, there are negatives and we shouldn't be talking about these things um in a blast way like you know you read an article on the internet and it's like they're just slamming the company or any company for that matter if these are if these problems exist they need to be corrected and i think that if we look at them in a grown-up professional way and have that conflict uh that the new chair of the tesla board miss dinholm robin has then, uh, and we go at it looking from a position of, hey, we're all adults here. We have disagreements. Let's let's figure this out. I think that that's a positive for the company overall. And I think that's a positive for the employees overall. Because in my mind, you have the company, which is made up of managers and middle managers and vice presidents and things like that. And then you have workers. Now I'm a union member. I am a proud union member. And I think unions are great. I don't think the, they they solve every problem, and they, we even cause our own problems a lot of the time. 
However, but when everything's working correctly, management and labor are working correctly, I think there are a lot of positive things that can happen. Um, in this case, uh, the company needs to take care of its employees um, to keep them safe. They don't need to baby them, but they need to keep their employees safe. And if they're doing that, then the company needs to change that message. And more than just on an earnings call, they need to go out there and really you know, hire a company to change that image. And then, you know, consider consider working with your employees a little bit more. If you're, they can't stop them from becoming union, Tesla can't, um, illegally. But anyway, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. That's the whole show, everybody. If you want to email me, it's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. Um, I am working on a website. It's not the one that's in the show notes, but I am working on a new website. I'm st- I used to be pretty good at WordPress and I signed up for a WordPress.com account. And for whatever reason, man, that thing is just throwing me for a loop. So um, it's one of my fun things while I watch TV. I work on that and hopefully I'll be able to uh, show that off pretty soon. I just got to figure out exactly how to make it look nice. It's not where I want it to be. Um, yeah, but that's it. I hope everybody has a great week. Um, my house of the tile floors should all be in by tuesday or not tuesday yeah it should be on by tuesday but everything should be moved into the rooms by friday so hopefully we'll have a normal show with the normal mic and all that good stuff but uh, again thanks everybody for listening thanks everybody for emailing thank all the patreon supporters for supporting the show and thanks for everybody who provided content for the show i really appreciate it have a wonderful day week. Have a wonderful week.